Welcome back, dear listener, to another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod, and joining me this afternoon, we have Eli Duxon and Liam Webster McAllister. Boys, welcome to the podcast. How are you all? Not bad at all. Thanks for having me. Yep, good to be back. Great to have you on. Let's get straight into it. Round four. Very interesting. The Bombers came back into the competition after taking an unexpected week holiday. Same with Melbourne. And we managed to get through a week with no confirmed player cases of coronavirus. Yes! Success. One week down. One week down. Uh, Let's discuss our top highlight. Normally we do two highlights, but let's keep it to one highlight each. Top highlight of the round. We'll start with you, Eli. What was your top highlight? It's got to be the uh, the Josh Kennedy goal. Um, we all know what happened to him. Um, 250th game. Um, sad, but um, I don't know. It's a bit of a sweet night, I guess, for him um, in the end. Uh, even though it was a loss, but it was a beautiful moment. It was a great kick. Um, and it get, sort of gave them a gl- glimmer of hope as well because um, it brought them back to within about 20 points. Um, but yeah, it was just a really good moment for me. Yeah, absolutely. And as a Swan supporter, that warmed my heart. Absolutely warmed my heart to see him get that goal. Uh, Liam, how about yours? Yeah, I, I'm with Eli on that one. I think uh, due to everything that's you know happened in the last week in uh, the AFL world, you know, with the passing of um, Kennedy's grandfather, I think that was just a, an awesome moment. And uh, I don't think you could overlook that really for probably the top highlight of the week, uh, in my opinion. Absolutely. But just to be a little bit different, I am going to mention something different. Uh, Eli, your Brisbane Lions, I thought, showed great maturity when they were challenged in that third quarter. The Crows were coming. The Crows were coming quite hard. They were were tackling. They started to look like the Crows of 2017 again in that third quarter. And full credit to you guys. You guys managed to come back in the last quarter, shut down that momentum, and carry on. Just look this this. This stat is terrifying, right, as an opposition supporter. Hugh McLuggage and Lockie Neal, 55 disposals between them. That's insane. That is insane. One goal, six behinds. Name a more iconic football duo. Oh, wait. I think you find it be uh, one goal 11 as well. With, uh... Sorry, it was one goal 11. Apologies. Yeah. One goal five, one goal 11. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Just got to fix up that goal-kicking accuracy because the better team will make them pay for that. But It was definitely pretty- frustrating to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you're right. They were coming that third quarter, weren't they? They kicked four, four to start the quarter. And um, if you don't mind me jumping straight into my low light, um, I couldn't pick one. and said, like, uh, yeah, I did pick 23 um, because <laughs> that was just terrible. Um, definitely right. Um, it could have been a big win. Could have been good for a percentage, which isn't bad. Um, but they're the sort of games that, to make a statement, you really expect to, to have a big win. And we definitely had the opportunity. Thirty-three scoring shots. That's um, you won't you won't lose many games with that many scoring shots. And uh, um, luckily, Adelaide didn't play four quarters; only played ten minutes or so worth of good footy. But um, you're right against a better team, and uh, we've been in a bit of trouble. How about you, Liam? Your low light? Yeah, uh, I think my low light probably is a bit in tandem with my biggest disappointment for the week, and I think that's probably got to be uh, 
the Bombers. They didn't play all that badly, but I think they came into this round off of a week's break, which I think is, you know, debatable whether it was positive or negative, obviously. But I think that, you know, up against the Carlton team, granted they'd come off a, they'd come off a win the previous week, but um, I just think that the Bombers really should have probably have played better and probably got a better result. So I think their overall performance was a little bit of a low light for me. I will come out, and it's not just because I'm an Essendon supporter, it's mainly because I'm an Essendon supporter, right? But, but just come out and defend them. I was listening to, I was watching the game, obviously, and one of the commentators mentioned how during the week you get to, you get to really practice uh, your, uh, practice your connection between the different sections of the ground, right? You get to, pra- you get to practice movement, fluidity, um, and obviously with the week that Essendon's had, that was impacted, and it showed, right? The transition was terrible from one side, from the bats to the mids, that was okay. But going inside 50, Carlton looked far more dangerous. And so, yeah, look, and it sucks always losing to Carlton, but, you know, enjoy your one, you enjoy your second win for the year, Carlton. There won't be that much more, I don't think. <laughs> Having said that, they'll probably finish fourth. Anyways, uh, my low light, my other football team, the Sydney Swans, uh, Eli and Liam, you both touched upon it earlier, such a big night for Captain Kennedy, and he's been such a warrior for the team. He's given, he's given the Swans a lot over the last decade. It's given this one support a lot of happy memories. Um, and the fact that the boys played just terrible football for three quarters of that game, and the one quarter where they actually played decent footy couldn't kick a goal in that third quarter, it was just, it was really, really, really disappointing to watch that. Um, so yeah, that for me was an absolute low light, and maybe I overestimated this once last week. Uh, most surprising result, Liam, you can go first. Yeah. I think it probably is the game you just mentioned. I think a lot of people would have expected Sydney to come out of the gates, you know, for Kennedy and put on a bit more of a show than what they did. Um, and you know, credit to the Bulldogs, it was a good performance by them for the most part. But you know, they haven't been a superb team this year. Uh, and I think that, you know, Sydney really should have done better to at least put up a better fight than what they did because, you know, 30 points more or less to a team who have struggled to put any sort of performance together this year is a pretty abysmal result. Yep. Yep. Don't have much to say to that. Yep. I agree. <laughs> Eli? I can't say I was surprised by too many of the results. Um because there's quite a few close games that could have really gone either way. Um, if I had to pick, though, it'd have to be Geelong. Uh, even though they did get the win, uh, albeit only by three points, I still think they're better, even though Alistair Clarkson did come out and uh, and sort of rubbished their ability. But um, I still think they are better than what they've been showing, because you saw that game against the Hawks. It was a 10-goal win. It was just dominant, and they got stars all over the field. Um, with other minor premiers, I believe, last year as well. Um, well, there are thereabouts, and they've just got an outstanding team, but they're really not just they're just really not showing it. It's hard to judge a team of the season we're having, I know, but um, you expect them to show a lot more. But um, yeah, I was a little bit surprised by just how close that game was. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Good comeback, good fight back by Melbourne. Um, I'm lucky to lose Definitely. that, but uh. 
gee, who, who would want to be a Melbourne supporter? I tell you what. Um, for me, the biggest surprise, St Kilda. They are proving to be difficult to beat at Marvel Stadium. And yeah, I know the Kangaroos did it in round one. But that was really just, I think that that was largely because the Saints, they kicked seven goals, 12 that game. So, you know, a little bit more accurate, they would have won that game. And they learned their lesson from, from that match because when they were challenged in round two by the Dogs and challenged this past weekend by Richmond, they didn't fold, right? Richmond kicked the first goal inside the first 10 seconds and I thought, ah, floodgates are going to open. And they did. Just not the way that I thought that they were going to open. Um, St. Kilda, an incredible victory. They are playing great footy. Their recruits are all firing on all cylinders. Dougal Howard played a great game. Zach Jones played a fantastic match. And as a Sydney supporter, it kind of pains me to see the fact that we let him go and he's playing so well. But it's hard not to get swept up in the St. Kilda bandwagon. And I know it's early dates. I believe they were 4-1 and one after round five last year. And we know how well that ended for Alan Richardson. But there's just something different about the St. Kilda team. There's something different about them. And it's the quality of the teams that they are beating and how much they're beating them by. Uh, so, yeah, well done for the Saints. Um, my biggest surprise... In terms of a positive result, though, will be to the Bulldogs. Perhaps I was too harsh on them in the first two weeks of the season. Luke Beveridge, if for some reason you're listening to this, I'm sorry that I trash talk you guys so much during the first two weeks of this season. Granted, first two rounds of the year, granted, in my defense, you guys were playing terrible football, but you've rectified that strong win against the two New South Wales team. Let's see if you guys can continue this. The dogs are looking good. The dogs are starting to get their fight back. How about you guys? Yeah, for me, it was um, it wasn't so much of a surprise that they won because I did tip them. But you, you mentioned just before it's the Saints. Um, my surprise has probably come from how well they won. Yeah. Um, you and I were talking about it, Casper, and um, we definitely felt like it was the scalp they needed because yeah. we all know with the recruits they had, like you mentioned as well, um, you definitely felt like they were challenging possibly for a top eight finish if we had a, a normal season. Um, but yeah, they were still like they they lost to Collingwood, um, like Collingwood just outclassed them in every way. So um, you wanted them to bounce back, but they they just played so well. They the way they transitioned from the back line to the forward line was so quick, um, and that Richmond defense, which hasn't changed much at all if if, if it has since last year, um, like Grimes only had five disposals, Foster only had eleven. Like they just weren't able to get out on their own. Um, and they're creating one-on-ones. And when you've got Tim Membry, John O'Marsh, Josh Battle, and um, Ben, uh, Max King, sorry. Um, when you've got them down there, it's hard to beat them in the air. And um, then you've got Butler, who was on fire, coming through. Jack Loney had a really good game. And Jack Billings. Um, yeah, they just played very well. And uh, you mentioned Alan Richardson. I think it's the opportunity that Brett Ratton deserved um, because he did do quite a decent job at Carlton. Um, but he just got pushed out in the end. So I think he's really, he's really harnessed everyone's potential. Um, much like Luke Beveridge did with the Dogs, he just sort of gave them all free reign. And um, they just played really attacking footy. And the, the recruits they had, they didn't recruit stars, but they re- recruited mature age players who will play a role and play well. Um, going back to Hanbury the season before, but um, Carlisle a couple of years before that. But um, yeah, Jones, Paddy Ryder, Butler, 
um, do how yeah they've, they've done quite well. And not to mention Bradley Hill is a pretty handy pickup. Yeah. Bradley Hill could be the recruit of the year. Could be. Could very well be. I agree with that. Uh, yeah, sorry, Liam. Yeah, um, as much as I agree with Eli that that was a huge win for St Kilda, I think for me, the biggest um, surprise, uh, positive result, I think it's Carlton. I think, um, again, a, a ma major scalp, I guess, in the sense that they beat Essendon, um, a team who I think a lot of people would be putting in and around the top four, uh, especially off the positive start they've had to the season. And I think it's... Um, you know, okay, it's only by a point, but it's building off of the momentum they had in the previous round. And I think that it was, a, on the whole, a fairly good performance by Carlton. Um, so I think for me, you know, they had 17 scoring shots and only managed to put 7-10. So, you know, a bit more accurate like Essendon were, and it could have blown out to a four or five goal lead. Um, so I think for me, Carlton has to be the most positive result of the week. I just hope, right, as an Essendon supporter, I'm torn. Right, because if Carlton makes finals, that's just terrible. But if they end up crashing Agreed. and they end up bottom four, then that means that once again, Essendon has lost to a bottom four team. Once again. I'm sick and tired of it. I'm done. I'm sick and tired. And look, I get it, right? 2015, we were terrible. 2016, we had the Frankenstein, Frankenstein squad. So I get it, right? That's understandable. 2017, we took a year to gel. That's totally fine. But 2018 and 2019, there's no excuses for the losses that we had against the low, the lowly sides in those two years. There's absolutely none. And if I, that's why I hope that Carlton is kind of like in that middle ground. If they finish 12th, I'm happy because losing to a 12th ranked side isn't terrible. But it also means that Carlton's not in, not in final football. So hopefully, you know, fingers crossed somewhere in there. Uh, for me, the biggest disappointment is Richmond. If, if St. Kilda played like Telstra, then Richmond played like Vodafone. Thanks, Vodafone, by the way. Um, the Tigers, there's problems at Richmond. There's problems at Richmond, and I don't know what they are. It's a, it looks like a lack of hunger, right? Obviously, I wasn't born before. I was born in 2000. Obviously, I didn't see the Crows 1999 season. But from what I understand, Richmond's season thus far is almost exactly like Adelaide's season in 1999. You know, Crows have gone back to back 97, 98, and they just crashed, lost their hunger, lost a lot of matches by big margins and finished 13th. And Richmond is shaping up that way again. Now, Thursday night was going to be a fascinating game, Richmond v. West Coast. The elimination final in round five but this game that Richmond now has, which we'll get into later, now has even more significance. Because you lose to Melbourne, you can almost kiss top four goodbye. But we'll get onto that later. All right, you guys, your biggest disappointments. Yeah, um, for me, it's uh, still got to be it's got to be West Coast. Um, I know they've had tough circumstances. They've had to um, go on the hubs for four weeks, but um, there's been a lot of complaining from their camp, um, more so than Fremantle. That's that's the sort of barometer I'm going off. Um, but they're going into the season, like the, the normal season that we thought we were going to have, I thought they were unbeatable. Uh, picking up Tim Kelly, like they were a great side last year, but um, 
uh, Darling last couple of years has been outstanding and Josh Kennedy still just does what he does. Um, and I, I thought they were going to be threatening top two, no dramas at all. Um, but they just haven't really shown anything. Um, sort of blindsided by Gold Coast, I guess. Um, they've against uh, what's been Brisbane last week as well. They didn't really show much. Like they never really challenged. Um, and to score just six goals in each game, um, you can say if if they'll kick in twelve goals and losing every game, then you can say, well, they're doing something right. But other teams just are playing better. But it's just not playing that well at all. So. Um, Definitely been disappointed by them, um, but I expect them to bounce back considering they've been guaranteed um, possibly six, seven games and maybe more, um, depending on what they've held decides when they go back to Perth. Yeah, I'm going to jump on to Casper's side here, though. I think that Richmond was uh, worse. I, I think that West Coast were also, uh, you know, very poor. I mean, an eight-goal, uh, you know, thrashing um, in these shortened quarters is abysmal. And I think that both these teams are in desperate need of a couple of games uh, where they get, can get a win because they're both just absolutely seemingly lacking something. Um, but I think I watched uh, Richmond against St Kilda and that last quarter in particular was just absolutely a travesty. So many unnecessary free kicks given away. I remember Vlosten tripping someone up on the 50 and that was like a turning point in that game. That was kind of like the nail in the coffin. It put it back out to like four and a half goals with like a little over 10 on the clock, I think. And I was just watching and thinking, this is our reigning premiers, really? These, you know, people who are just making comical errors, like the sort of errors you expect to see in under 10s level football. And it was just really abysmal to watch Richmond playing the way they did. And I think 26 points, you know, might not be as bad as the West Coast Um Lost, but I think the way that Richmond played was just absolutely appalling. Uh, later in the game, especially on those free kicks as well, um, it certainly reflects the team's attitude. Um, like I know, just in my experience playing, not, not at a high level, but um, when your team starts giving away silly free kicks, it's usually um, it usually feel like you've lost a game. And yeah. there was definitely a sense of that in that last quarter from Richmond. And yeah, I, I do agree with you. Um, it was it was pretty tough to watch. And like you said, them being our best team comfortably last year in the, in the league, um, pains me to say, but um, they're far from that, aren't they? Yeah, shadow of themselves. Yeah, look, I, I agree with both of you. And, you know, West Coast, the hub is no longer an excuse. You could excuse it for the first week or two. I don't think it's an excuse any longer, right? Because sh they should have adapted to the weather, to the, to the temperature, they should have adapted to the surroundings by now. But Richmond haven't had to travel. So what's Richmond's excuse? I don't know. Speaking of the AFL fixture though, the Tigers were scheduled to go to Queensland. First time that they were gonna travel since the Qualcomm final last year. Hashtag Richmond favoritism, anyways. And all of a sudden, the Queensland government comes out and says, uh-uh, no, 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 we are closing the borders to Victoria, which is fair enough, although I will state, I do believe that they are letting the Melbourne storm stay in Queensland, so, you know, mm, but anyways. So now the AFL's redone the schedule. The Tigers will now play Melbourne on Sunday. The Eagles will play the Swans. Sydney will travel 
up to Queensland and we had Carlton St Kilda originally on Saturday Twilight I believe now on Thursday night football which all of a sudden I'm excited for that game my question is what does this oh and also to mention South Australia has now shut its government uh, shut its borders to Victoria so now now the AFL is dealing with headaches from not only the Western Australian government, which is, you know, still, and by the way, I'm not blaming any of the governments, right? The spike in Victoria is definitely concerning and they have every right to protect their citizens. That's fine. But still the AFL is now in a pickle. Western Australia, South Australia, Queensland. The AFL is, might be set to move the teams out of Victoria to elsewhere. My question to you guys is, where to? Where should they go? Liam, you can go first. It's a pickle, isn't it? Because it, it's seeming like uh, as the days go by, you know, the coronavirus is getting worse and worse here in Victoria. And um, it feels like the AFL is going to be forced into action, uh, like you said. And Obviously, Geelong and Collingwood are going to get moved out to Western Australia, I believe, from round six or round seven, I think, onwards. Um, and I think Western Australia is probably the best option, I think, considering how low the number of cases over there is. Um, if you want to protect the sides, I think that's probably the best place to take them. Um, but I think it's going to be really hard for them to juggle, you know, who goes where and who stays if they do. But for me, I think if... Uh, clubs are to move somewhere. I think Western Australia is the logical decision considering their um, impressive, uh, you know, maintaining of the coronavirus for the last couple of weeks now. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, the The problem with the AFL, the Victorian clubs moving is because we've got 10 of them. Um, you heard Trent Colchin come out today and said that um, some players won't go on hub if required because of um, uh, uh, expecting babies um, and I'm sure there's a plethora of other issues that are affecting some players but um, Fox really reported that the, the AFL is scouting Perth, Adelaide, uh, Brisbane, Darwin and Cairns um, and when uh, when you first brought this to my attention Casper I, I thought Tasmania could have been a go um, because they've got the two grounds if they wanted to do two divisions I really don't know um, I thought that was an option but I did think Northern Territory as well and it's an interesting one, but the only concern there will be the weather um, because, yeah, no one, we get one game there a year, I'm pretty sure, and it's usually always Melbourne, Port Adelaide, and, um, well, Melbourne and someone else, really. So um, no one's quite used to that. Um, so you've got to say Perth. Um, yeah, we've got off the stadium. They're allowing, allowing crowds back in. Um, and could they use the Wacker as well? Do they have another ground? Um I think ground availability will play a huge part, but I think it's inevitable that the Victorian clubs are going to have to move elsewhere if the uh, if we're going to play this season out. Because, yeah, I, I'm sure every other state government will jump on board and say, no, we're not coming to Melbourne or not allowing our sporting teams to come to Melbourne. Um, I think there was a New South Wales ministerial campaign saying, thinking, thinking about going to Melbourne, think again. Um, which is, I thought it was a bit rough at first, but I'm like, you know what, fair enough. It's a little bit out of control at the moment, so... Um, yeah, I do expect uh, the Victorian clubs to have to move out. Um, it's just a matter of um, when and where, not if. I, 
rumors are that Sydney might be a hub. So I believe from what I've read, the situation currently for the Suns and Lions, because Gold Coast is uh, scheduled to play this weekend in Melbourne and Brisbane scheduled to play next weekend in Melbourne. And so the situation I think for, uh, for those two clubs, obviously you can't go back to Queensland without having to quarantine yourself for 14 days. Um, and so I think that you have a situation where the AFL is thinking of sending them to New South Wales before, you know, they, I think I read somewhere that the Suns could go a month without being at home. Um, but my question is, why not the NT in Tasmania? Because I think that having a hub in Tassie would help with the movement of a Tasmanian team in the AFL. And I think that it would only help to build that kind of support, uh, not only at the local grassroots level in Tassie, but in the AFL headquarters as well. Um, and I think the same with the NT, same situation there. But also the Suns signed a deal to play one home game a year up in the NT. So why not send Gold Coast and Brisbane? You mentioned the weather, Eli, that's very true. Queensland, whether it's close enough to down weather, like, you know, it's close enough. It's not as hot, I don't think, but, you know, I've never been there. Yeah. I think it's the closest out of all of Australia. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Definitely closer than Melbourne, that's for sure. But why not send Gold Coast and Brisbane, Sydney, GWS, and then a couple of Vicks up there as well? You know, why not? The, the problem with, you know, it's difficult because you've got now with everyone playing each other once, you've got to consider who's played who. you got to think, like, who's going to live in there. It's a nightmare situation. I'm glad I'm not sorting it out. But... What impact will this have on the Suns? Because their home ground advantage is becoming very quickly one of the strongest in the league. And now they're going to have to travel potentially for a month. What does this do for Gold Coast? It's not like the, um, the crowd advantage has been too great, though, in their home games. I get it's a familiar environment. Um, but I think they're just playing great footy, and that's why they're winning games. Um, the there's nothing unusual about the ground like GMHBA. There's, um, so there's no clear advantage there. Um, but to go back to your previous point about going to the Northern Territory, um, yeah, Brisbane, Gold Coast, GWS and Sydney, they, their reserves play in the NEFL, um, which is New South Wales, Queensland, and I think there's might be two Northern Territory teams. Um, so there is definitely some sort of familiarity uh, with that. Um, I understand guys like Lockie Neal, um, probably haven't played too much reserves over the years and especially not in, since he's been to Brisbane. So um, it won't be a lot of familiarity for a lot of players, but it's definitely possible um, because, yeah, with the NEFL there, there's normally is footy this time the year of the year. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely going to be a lot to think about logistically for the AFL. And to your the earlier point about the Tasmania, um, I don't think there's a lot of... I don't think there's really an issue about um, the support for football in Tasmania. Um, it's, I think it's the AFL wanting to put a team there and um, the, because we've got even numbers at the moment, it might be a little bit difficult, but um, yeah, I definitely don't think that 
it's the matter of getting support back for football in Tasmania. Um, like that's, I don't think that's the reason that there's not a team there um, because it's been a lot of great footy players coming out of Tasmania. Um, you think about uh, Matty Richardson with Rebolts. Um, so I don't think that's quite an issue, but it's definitely a lot to think about, that's for sure. <laughs> and like you said, I'm definitely glad I'm not the one having to make these decisions. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Liam? What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I agree with Eli. I think, um, you know, Gold Coast results are a testament to how well they're playing. Um, you know, Raul obviously is, you know, lighting it up on fire at the moment. He's just different class. And I heard, <laughs> yeah, Scott said that he's going to have to tag him. You know, and it, how often do you hear about a first year, you know, a few, you know, rounds in getting tagged? That's just unheard of. So um, it'll be very interesting to see how Geelong deal with him in particular. Um, but I think the main reason that I think the AFL are probably looking to move teams to WA is I think ultimately they want money, they want crowds, um, which is understandable. But you know, there is that argument that obviously we do want it to you know spread just beyond the states that currently have teams. We would like to see uh, the Northern Territory and Tasmania, you know, have a team. Uh, it's it's just hard because ultimately their ground capacities aren't great. And um, obviously the weather, as mentioned, in Northern Territory isn't brilliant. So I think this year, if the teams are going to go anywhere, I think the bigger shot is Western Australia, ultimately because crowds are going to be let back in and, um, you know, the uh, stadiums and the weather are problematic in namely uh, Northern Territory. How does Geelong deal with Matty Rao? Any ideas? Who who do they who do they play on here? I think Selwood was uh, discussed. I think potentially, I heard. Ooh, what a big and I know Selwood's Selwood's um Selwood's uh, uh, milestone game. Selwood versus Raul, Master versus Apprentice. I'm excited. I am excited for that. Clash of the Titans in many ways. That would be, I think. Ooh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Who do you think should be sent to him, Eli? It's, it's tough to say because um, the tagging has been sort of, is that a little bit in recent years? Like, it's not often you see a hard tag, more of a run with type of role. So I think that's what they might try to do with Real. But he's been getting forward and hitting the scoreboard. So um, most of them have been from stoppages. So it's not like he's just been getting out in his own, like Dusty, um, just sort of floating at the back and um, just finding space. He has been working really hard for his uh, scoring opportunities. Uh, plus, he had that 55-metre bomb on, on his upper, if you don't mind. Um, but, yeah, I think it's more of just a run with him at the stoppages because he's going to get to every single one. Um, I think it's just being mindful. Um, do you commit a, a, a player to him? Is, that, is the tag going to work? They might start it early, but um, like Adelaide did with Lockie Neal, they might find that. Um, it's not worth taking your, one of your own players out of the game to try and nullify another one. Um, but that's, that's taken nothing away from Rao because he has a lot of damaging possessions. Um, and like I said, he hits the scoreboard as well. So it's a bit of a conundrum. Um, but I'd love to just see him let go and continue to unleash as a football fan. <laughs> Moving on. Conor McKenna. He's back. For the Bombers, this weekend versus Collingwood, the AFL decided that he's already served his one-game suspension. 
they're unsure of how he got the coronavirus. Should he be playing this weekend? Obviously, as an Essendon supporter, my opinion is yes, but that's a little bit biased because we need his run and we need his skill and we need his clean disposals by foot because I think what Carlton showed was that if you stop Adam Saad, you stop the Bombers when McKenna's not playing. So my question is then this. From a non-biased point of view, what should the AFL have done? Should they have said, you're not playing this weekend against Collingwood? Liam, I'm curious your opinion as a Collingwood supporter. Tell me. Yeah, yeah, I think he's okay to play. I think he's had his tests done throughout the week. Um, they've come back negative. I think, you know, they had that week off, obviously. I imagine he would have, for the most part, self-isolated. Um, so, you know, I think with all... You know, as much as I, I would like to say I don't want to see him out there, um, I think that it's right that he gets given the chance. Um, you know, he has a negative result. At the end of the day, that's what matters. Um, he's sat out, you know, his time. Uh, the Bombers had that week off. I think yeah. that he is, as far as I'm concerned, like all the other Essendon players, he should be out there uh, based on, you know, if he gets picked, which it looks like he probably will. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. Again, a little bit biased. But uh, Eli, let me know. What, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. It was a bit of a weird sort of situation when he had the irregular test and then he'd come back negative. It was a bit, all a bit strange. But I think if he's been cleared by like an external doctor, like maybe an, an AFL-appointed doctor or um, an AFL sort of, uh, sort of test, um, I'm okay with it. I can't see any problem with it. Another Essendon player, let's get on, injuries and suspensions. What, I'm still kind of bemused that Zach Merritt caused the amount of damage that he did. Now, should he have hit another player with a closed fist? Fundamentally not, but how many times a game does that happen and nothing happens? It was just the sweet spot, really. You know, it's the right place or technically the wrong place. And he, he hit him. I, and who knows? I don't know if Zach, uh, if Alex Silvani had a had an injury, uh, already existing injury there. I don't know. So, sorry, if Jack Silvani had a pre-existing injury there. I'm not sure. So, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. What do you guys think? Bit stiff or not? Definitely. 100%. Um, as, as we've spoken about before, I would like to see the damage cause taken out of the uh, sort of suspension um, or guidelines, I guess, um, for, for Michael Christian. Um, uh, because, yeah, like Bergon a few weeks ago, it didn't hurt 
Dangerfield, but as per the rule, the dangerous tackle, which sometimes I don't agree with it, but I see why it's in place. Um, yeah, you'd like to see the intent uh, graded rather than the actual extent of the injury because um, you could have a, you could have 10 swings at a bloke and not land one. Are you still going to get suspended because you didn't hurt him? Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just really confusing as a football fan. Um, they're totally not biased as well. Um, but yeah, even just in my experience playing football, uh, those things just do happen. You, you get late to a spoil. Um, and yeah, it just doesn't go your way. Yeah, I'm with uh, you guys on that. I think it was harsh. I remember the first time I saw it and I was like, what happened there? Like, I didn't even really... The angle especially that I think, you know, they, they vary from angle to angle. But at first I'm looking at, you know, I didn't see anything out of the normal. To me, it was just another one of those, you know, hits by one player to do another. And um, yeah, I agree. I think that intent is far more important when we consider, you know, suspensions than the in- like the amount of damage done because you know, it's going to vary. You know, some people will go out there and, you know, really look to, you know, plant a player. He'll miss it and get away with it. And then someone like Merritt will, you know, give him a little nudge, sends him, you know, sprawling to the sidelines with an injury and all of a sudden he's sent off. So, yeah, I think it's a bit hard. But we'll get to that. Moving on. The other suspension from this round. Will Schofield, look, this is a week. This is a week. Maybe even deserve two. You don't headbutt people. I don't care how, if it's like a light headbutt or a strong headbutt, you don't go around headbutting people. And not, especially not Zach Butters, all right? You leave him alone. <laughs> you leave, you leave Zach Butters on. He's my, he's my favorite Port Adelaide player. You leave him be, all right? Port Adelaide already have Dersmer out. They don't need Butters out either. But yeah, look, I think he's lucky to not get two weeks. And again, it comes down to that thing where you shouldn't look at the resulting injury as so much as what was done to cause that injury because a headbutt that could have been so serious that could have been very very serious right you know the reason why they pull that move in in jail move in movies set in like prisons whenever there's like a prison breakout because it's effective in knocking out someone and also because it looks really cool on a movie screen but that's besides the point you don't go around headbutting people. I think that he was a little bit lucky to only miss one week. What do you got? Yeah, yeah uh, I don't mind it. No, I'm always okay with that. Yeah, headbutting just, yeah, it's not okay. You know, the AFL has been trying to clean the game up for years, and uh, I think that's one thing which is definitely doesn't need to be in the game. There's <laughs> just no need for it. Will Schofield, you are not Steven Seagal. Stop it. I think he's trying to be a bit of Zidane. Zidane, Zidane there. But, um... Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Can quite flatten into the same effect. <laughs> yeah. Now, we looked at these two suspensions, right? One, very... The action wasn't too bad, but the resulting injury was terrible. The other, the resulting injury wasn't too bad, but the action was terrible. And now we have a situation where it was an innocuous off-the-ball bump that busted Tom Stewart's collarbone. Now, Liam, you yourself has done your collarbone. How long did that take you for to recover? Uh, it was probably like a two, three-month-long injury. Two um, to three months. Two yeah. to three months. It, it, 
<laughs> I've never worked. I've never worked in a calendar factory, and I'm not that great at math. But that, if at the if at worst, right, will take us to September, right? July, August, September, which could mean that if Geelong doesn't make it and it's a really bad injury, he could miss the rest of the season, or at least until the final couple of games. I think Tom McDonald has a case to answer for. Because the ball was nowhere near, right? You want to know what was closer to Tom McDonald than the ball at that time? The city of Perth, the city of Adelaide. Heck, Kansas in the US was closer to him than the ball was at that point. And he still decided to bump and cause a very serious shoulder injury to one of Geelong's best players. He has a case to answer for, Tom McDonald. I don't think... Um... We, we can't go off saying that uh, Merritt deserves to get off and, and McDonald deserves to get suspended. Um, I really don't think he did it with the intention to break his collarbone. I mean, I didn't even think it was that possible to, to bump someone that hard you break their collarbone. I wish I had that sort of power, but um, I, I don't think that's a case to answer for um, because you say that all the time. It's the start of every single game. 36 players out in the field, they're, they're all bumping each other, so if you try to outlaw this bump, you set a precedent and then um, that almost becomes every single off-the-ball bump um, with what we're arguing, regardless of injury, um, more so intent. Um, I think you do set a precedent and I think that's one that AFL should set uh, because it was going both ways and just hit him at the wrong spot, much like Silvani. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Those are the major suspensions. I think the only suspensions so far, really. Um, the injury list, though, is long and vast. And for the interest of time, because apparently Zoom hates me, we shall instead touch upon all touch upon the injuries, but discuss the main ones. And for me, the biggest injury is Nat Fife. Actually, scratch that, because he's only going to be out for a couple of weeks, probably. But Jeremy Howe, <laughs> yeah, no, that side tells a thousand. That that side tells a thousand stories, Liam. Tell me, as a Collingwood supporter, how nervous are you that your high-flying Howe, deserved second-place finisher in the 2017 Mark of the Year competition, is now going to be out for a long time? Yeah, that, that is, I don't think words can describe how much of a blow losing Jeremy Howe is to Collingwood. Um, for me, I think probably between him and Adams for our best player this year, uh, probably Pendlebury, a close third to those two. But Jeremy Howe and Darcy Moore, you know, sweeping across that half-back line and, you know, taking big grabs has been a, a staple of the Collingwood team for the last, you know, 12, 18 months. Um, and I think losing him is he's probably the most irreplaceable player in the squad in many aspects because there's not many other players who can play the way he does. Uh, obviously, Darcy Moore is very similar, but they play in tandem. They don't play in replacement of the other. Um, and I think the only person who could, you know, remotely uh, compare to what Howe does is Tom Langdon. Uh, not in the sense that he will take big high-flying marks, but he is a good intercept marker. He gets into the right places. Um, and I think you know, Howe's probably going to be out for the rest of the season. Maybe because it's a PCL, he might come back last couple of weeks of finals if Con would make it that far. Um, 
but yeah, I think Tom Langdon is going to be something which Collingwood fans will be begging for come a few weeks' time because I think he isn't too far away. And um, that is something which we really need, I think, right now. You know that song, uh, Bye Bye Baby, Baby Blue, Bye Baby. That's Collingwood to your premiership hopes this year. Bye Bye Premiership Cup hopes, Bye Bye. Feels like that. Baby, mm. it always happens to you guys, and I'm never sad about it. But I am sad to see that Jeremy Howard's out. He is one of my favorite players in the competition, even though he does wear that god awful jumper that you guys wear. But, anyways, hopefully he can get back on the park sooner rather than later. Uh, Eli, I want to ask you about Zorko. Whereas Jeremy Howe's injury was very nasty to look at, Zorko's injury almost looked like he. That was the type of injury that I get, you know, when I'm playing yeah. golf and I haven't done my stretches and I bend over to pick up the ball and I go, oh, okay, yeah, no, nah, there's a hammy, oh, yeah, no, nah, there's a calf. What is, is his calf, are his calves becoming a problem? It was a little bit concerning when he went off because I didn't actually see um, an incident or um, I didn't see a replay of like a particular movement that set that off. Um, so when, he, when I saw him on the bench and uh, talking to the physios, I was concerned, especially because he missed the last week with a, a Achilles on the same leg. So that's what I initially thought it was. But uh, it was good that I was looking up towards uh, more the soleus and the calf. Um, but the good news is they did try to strap him up. Um, so there was intent to try and get him back out there. Um, but yeah, Brisbane released a statement probably about half an hour to an hour ago, saying that he will miss a few games, uh, most likely two to three weeks at this stage, um, just with a calf strain. Um, I don't think his calf is becoming a problem because he's been our best performer for the, uh, like I said, the best part of six, seven years. You know, he's, I think he's won four best and fairests. Um, we haven't had a great team. He obviously didn't have a lot of competition for a few years, but um, he's definitely a very important player for us. Um, He's our, our captain, so um, lucky it was only Adelaide last week, but uh, coming up with Port Adelaide next week, um, <laughs> it's definitely a big out. But I do have hope because we did beat West Coast without him. Um, so you probably expect to see Tom Berry come in, um, who was pretty solid, doesn't know any of the same output as Zorko, but um, yeah, it, it's not all, not all down and out for us. Berry's good. Potential future captain. He's good. And by the way, to any Adelaide supporters listening, sorry, not sorry. They only played you guys last week. Sorry. <laughs> Yowch. Yowza. That is a stinger right there. Um, for me, seeing Sam Naismith get injured again, that's just heartbreaking. You know, he missed last year and he comes back and then he does his knee again. It's just, it's really, really disheartening to see, especially after everything that happened with Alex Johnson, to, to, see, to see it start to happen again with Naismith. And I'm not saying that he's going to do his knee six or seven times. God, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hope that on my, wish, on my worst enemy. But it's just, you know, it's just really sad to see. And that's a big blow for Sydney as well, um, having, having a tall, because they don't have a lot of talls playing at the moment, the Swans. Um, and I think that when they were playing really good in 2018, the tours helped. 
you know, Nate Smith helped, Sinclair helped, Buddy, when he was playing, helped. And having two of those players out and having Sinclair coming back who's not really playing his best football, it could help, it could hurt the Swans. And moving on, round five, tips, predictions. I was looking forward to hearing who you guys would think was going to win between West Coast and Richmond, but instead we get what I think is going to be a better quality game between two teams at the moment who are on fire. Carlton versus St. Kilda. The Blues and the Saints Thursday night football at Marvel Stadium. I'm tipping Carlton by 17 points. Psych! I'm tipping the Saints. Oh, take that, Carlton supporters. I still don't trust you guys. The Saints will win by 17 points simply because of the, the teams that they have beaten up have been better. I think of margins. They've been more impressive. Their losses haven't been as bad. And not only that, but they play Marvel Stadium, I reckon, better than almost any team in the competition, right? They took on the Bulldogs, who they themselves are very difficult to beat at Marvel Stadium, and crushed them. Sent them to the doghouse. Sent them to the corner for a timeout, no treat, bad boy. And that's why I think the Saints will win by 17 points. Eli, Saints or Blues? No, I'm with you on this one. I'm going to go to the Saints. Um, yeah, by 15 points. Um, like you said, I think they have, they have beaten uh, more quality opposition and they've just looked a lot more convincing. Um, regardless of uh, winning margin, um, I haven't watched every single minute of either of their games, but um, yeah, just watching the Saints uh, carve up Richmond was uh, pretty impressive. Yep. It's going to be a clean sweep for St Kilda here. Um, you know, kudos to Carlton, but I don't like you. Uh, and I'm going to back someone who I prefer in a game where there's two teams who are probably of similar, you know, uh, momentum. But saying that, I do think that St Kilda have a better squad. And I think that, you know, if you take the, the wins that both of them had in the last week, I do think that Richmond are better than Essendon. And St Kilda did, you know, not just beat Richmond, they took them to the cleaners by the end of the game. Um, and I think that, you know, Carlton, you know, I think they've surprised a few people. I mean, if you just said that, you know, a Thursday night clash between Carlton and St Kilda would be a big game last year, I don't think anyone would have believed you. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but you know, testament to them both. They're both, you know, kicked off the year reasonably well. But um, I think St Kilda just have a stronger setup. I think they're playing, for the most part, better football. So I'll probably go for about uh, four goals, 24 points for St Kilda. First year coaches kind of, well, this has been Ratton's second time around, but first year of his second time. And David, you get what I'm saying. Anyways, Friday Night Football, Collingwood v Essendon. Uh, right, okay, Eli, before Liam and I uh, go head to head in this, let's hear the unbiased opinion in this. The Bombers or the Magpies? Completely neutral, but um, we've got to go Collingwood. Um, we've got at least four goals. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if it was more. Um, I, again, I do rate Essendon normally, um, but losing to Carlton last week, even though it was only by a point, but only scoring 51 points. Um, yeah, I'll just, it's hard to go past Conrad against many opposition, um, but I'm back in the win quite easily. Can I just, sorry, can I just say, right? Trash talk the bombers all you want, but let's just, let, yeah, right? That mark to Levi Caswell in the last, or Mitch McGovern in the last quarter, that wasn't a mark. 
right? That, that fumble, that was on the ground for a split second or two. That was not a mark. Anyways. I think you might be mad, Casper, because uh, Liam Jones's head stopped Essendon from winning. <laughs> what was Hooker doing? I do not know. <laughs> Liam, <laughs> Liam uh, will it be your magpies to get back on the winner's list or will it be my Don's? Uh, I think both my head and my heart is telling me Collingwood. Uh, I always have a quiet confidence against Essendon. You know, they're a good team, most years. But Collingwood always seem to find their way over the line, whether it be through skill or through luck. Uh, they seem to find their way over the line against Essendon most of the time. Uh, and despite the loss of Jeremy Howe, I do think that our squad is a bit stronger than Essendon's. Um, and I think, you know, maybe take away that GWS game, I think we have played, for the most part, pretty good football this year. So I think that um, we will uh, beat Essendon. But I do think it'll be a bit closer than what Eli's predicting. I'd probably go with a eight, nine-point victory, I think. Is done is good. Not this week. Um, look, right, Collingwood, they're probably the premiership favourites at the moment. Because let's be real, we don't know how good Port Adelaide are going to be. We don't know if the Giants are for real. West Coast and Richmond are struggling. Brisbane can't play the MCG. Who knows? Gold Coast, surely they're going to fall off sooner rather than, you know, eventually, right? Like they can't win the premiership this year, I mean, surely. North Melbourne, we don't know how good they're going to be this year. Who knows how good Hawthorne's going to be there? They've been up and down. Geelong, they've been up and down. Essendon can't be trusted. Collingwood is really the only sound premiership choice at the moment. And that being said, keep in mind, keep in mind, right? Three and three and one, despite the fact that Jordan Dugowie has been very average so far this year, and despite the fact that Mason Cox or Coxzilla, as a certain ex-American NFL punter calls him, Cox did not have a good game last week. No, sir, he did not have a good game last week. Dugowie did not have a good game last week. And they both of those players played really, really well against Essendon. So who knows? Maybe we'll play those players into form. Um, I do think that Essendon, we are better than what a lot of people think. Um, Liam, I don't know what football circles you're involved in, where people have been talking about us in the top four. But uh, I have been seeing us being talked about as a bottom six team. Um, I think we're better than bottom six not quite top four. We're in that middle six bracket of painfully average. Um, and Collingwood is better than painfully average, which is why I'm going with Collingwood by 10 points. Moving on to Saturday at Petricon Stadium, West Coast v Sydney. Wasn't supposed to be this, but it is this. The Eagles and the Swans. I'm tipping Sydney by 26 points because West Coast have just been that bad. And the Swans aren't awful. They just need to gel. They just need to gel. They need to not rely on Tom Papley so much, especially if he's leaving. Tom, if you're listening to this, please stay. Stay, right? Do what Scotland voted to do in the UK and stay, right? Just stay, please, I beg you. That's really it. West Coast are playing terribly at the moment. The Swans are doing all right. Sydney by 26 points. Yeah, I'm going to... This one could have gone either way. Um, but I've, I've, I'm going to go with the West Coast. It's my point of difference tip here. Um, and I did slag them off earlier for not... For saying they haven't been playing well and they haven't. Um, 
But then we look at who they're first, and yeah, Gold Coast been playing good footy. Um, Brisbane, we've managed to play consistently pretty good football, and Port Adelaide, well, they've beaten everyone comfortably. Um, and like, it is hard to say how good they really are, but the way they've been playing, it's it's hard to argue with uh, their strength. So, I just think it's time for West Coast. Um, it's it's you look at all the players in their team and. Um, it's just hard to think that they can lose four in a row. Um, I know it's it's very possible, but yeah, I think they'll just kick into gear and get over the line by a goal. Ooh. Oh, thriller on Saturday afternoon. Don't you love it, Liam? How about you? Yeah, I'm going to jump on the uh, Eagles bandwagon here too, unfortunately for you, Casper. Um, it's, it's a battle of two teams who are struggling. Um, I'm... You know, I'm not overly hopeful for the greatest game of football. Um, this would have been a game at the start of the year. I would have been thinking, you know, it would be a little bit more exciting uh, watching, you know, one of the premiership contenders and the team that might be, you know, trying to push for the top eight this year. But it's, it's yeah, it's not quite what it was probably first thought it was going to be. Um, but I do think that uh, West Coast just have a far superior list. And I think that eventually they're going to have to find their form. And uh, I think Sydney might be a team that they could do that against. I'll go Eagles by 19. Sorry, are you guys forgetting the fact that the Swans beat North Melbourne not too long ago? Um, no. No, definitely not. Yes, um, <laughs> it's it's okay. Yeah, when you, when you play well one week and pretty poorly the next, it's, uh, it's hard to tip them, uh, assuringly. Sydney are turning into, into the poor man's Port Adelaide. But moving on, <laughs> GMHBA Stadium. We think that this game is going to be held at GMHBA Stadium. Who knows if this is going to be changed by the time this podcast is out. <sighs> Gold Coast. I tipped them against West Coast, partially as a joke, but partially because it had the sense of an upset. Would this really be an upset, though? Because looking at four. The Suns are on fire, pun 110% intended, and they will continue to burn the rest of the competition away. The Suns will win this game. For the first time down in Geelong, the Suns will win a thriller by 10 points. Get on the hype train. It's real and it's happening. The Suns are good. The Suns are good. And... If the Titans continue to be as bad in the NRL, Gold Coast Suns could make Gold Coast an AFL town. Take that rugby league, is all I'm going to say to that. I'm with you with the Gold Coast. Um, they're just off form. Um, it, it could be a really close game, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a six-goal game. So I'm going to go somewhere in the middle and say a three-goal three goal game. It'll be for Gold Coast. Liam, three out of three for the Suns. No, I'm going to get back to the Cats. I think that that result against Melbourne is going to ruffle a few feathers. Uh, and I think that the Cats are going to have a point to prove. Uh, they're at home. That helps, even if it was a ground that they got beat by Carlton a few weeks ago. Carlton have proved themselves to be maybe a little bit better than most, maybe first gave them credit for. Uh, but I think Geelong are going to come out. I think, you know, as good as Gold Coast are, I think the key will be shutting down Raul. I think if they can shut him down or at least, you know, limit his... Uh, ability to impact the game. I think that'll be key to Geelong getting over the line, and I think they will. I think it'll be a little bit of a blowout towards the end. I think I'll go to Geelong by 20 points. I think it'll be tight, and maybe a few late goals to break it up a bit. Matt Ralph of Brownwell, you heard it here first. 
You definitely didn't hear it first, but you know, I'm just saying, I'm on the hype train. Uh, this one is going to be interesting. Marvel Stadium Saturday Night Football, the Bulldogs and the Kangaroos. Ooh, this game is going to be good. The Dogs and the Kangaroos had a few years, 2015 to 2017, where they played a series of really great games against each other, including 2017. The Dogs had a pretty terrible season overall in North Melbourne, an even worse year. But they had, I think, a three-point game on Good Friday and then a one-point game later on in the year. And the Dogs won both of them. This time, it'll be the Kangaroos a little bit more comfortably Kangaroos by 19 points because I think that the Kangaroos have a better list than the Bulldogs do. Uh, this is dependent, the margin though is dependent on whether or not Ben Cunnington can play. If he's if he does play, then it'll be a 20-point win to the Kangaroos. If he doesn't, then it'll be a closer, safe five-point win to North Melbourne. But the Kangaroos are better, they've been playing better for longer, and I think they play Marvel Stadium thus far this season. Uh, better than the dogs, despite that they've dropped their last two games there. But I still think that the Kangas will do it. How about you, Liam? The Kangas or the doggies? Painfully, I'm gonna uh, agree that North Melbourne will win. I think the Bulldogs—they just don't look the same as they did. Obviously, they can come off the back of a good win against Sydney, but the Bulldogs just aren't the team which I think a lot of people were hoping would be this year. Um, and I've got a unfortunate gut feeling that they're going to get a bit of a, a caning. I think that um, the Kangaroos are going to kick him a few goals uh, outdone. So I'm going to go by the Kangaroos uh, to probably win by at least, I'd say, 38, 39 points, unfortunately. Bit of a blowout. Who let the dogs out? Not this week, apparently. Not this week, apparently. What about you, Eli? Yeah, I'm going to go against the grain here. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case, Liam, if, uh, if North did win by that, to be honest. Um, I think Bulldogs last two weeks have shown the level that they can play at, um, especially the game against GWS. They tried to come out hard and Bulldogs just outclassed them everywhere. They um, they just tore them up. Um, I'm expecting Baz Lunker to get off the chain. Um, and But yeah, again, North, they've got some great young players. Right. Next game, also on Saturday night, this could very well be the game of the round. Guys, I'm telling you, this could be a grand final preview. And it might go the same way as 2004. I'm sorry, Eli. But getting ahead of myself. Port v. Brisbane, the power are going to lose eventually, sooner rather than later, right? <clears throat> and I think that losing to a... <coughs> God, first of all, technology coming against me and then the air. <coughs> Moving on. I think Brisbane's going to win by three points. I think it's going to be a great game of football. Brisbane by three points against the power. Eli, are you backing your boys from Brisbane or will the power continue to power their way through the competition? Can Brisbane turn the light switch off on them? There's a, uh, there's a period of about four years where I wouldn't even think about tipping against Brisbane. Uh, because at the end of the day, I would probably wanted to get my tip right. Um, but last last season and this season, I can't justify it. Um, and this is a little bit of a biased opinion, but um, I think I think we're going to get it done by by five points. Um, very close game. Um, just going off uh, us beating them last year. Um, once quite comfortable, they come out and they tried to terrorise Lockie Neal. We come out and kick seven goals to one in the first quarter, I think it was. Um, and then we beat them by a bit. I think two or three goals at the Gabba uh, in round three. So 
um, yeah, that's my biased opinion. Um, and it's more hopeful as well, but I do expect a good game. Liam, who will be happy? Will Koshi be happy? Or will Fagan be happy? Uh, yeah, got to gotta agree with you guys. I think Fagan's going to walk away with a smile on his face. Um, you know, Dixon's going to be an issue. I do think that's going to be something which Brisbane are going to have to really focus in on. You know, he had he's come off the back of an incredible performance. Um, but I do think that Brisbane, credit to them, because I, I, I think coming into the year, I thought maybe losing Hodge would be a bit of a bigger blow than it has been. Um, but, you know, credit to them. They've continued where they left off in many senses last year. Um, they're playing brilliantly, and I think that they'll uh, get over the line by 11 points. It'll be interesting to see if we put Andrews or Gardner to Dixon. Um, I think Dixon will just absolutely muscle Gardner off. Gardner's got him athletically, but Andrews got the size. So, um, yeah, interesting to see what we do there. Absolutely. Let's power through this one. Adelaide v Fremantle. Even with that five gone, you got it to the Dockers, right? Fremantle by 15. How about you guys? Yeah, Freya by three goals. Yeah, clean sweep for Freya. I'll say uh, ooh, 22 points. Interesting. Interesting. Sunday afternoon football at the MCG, Melbourne v. Richmond. I told my Richmond supporting friend that if Richmond loses this game. I will laugh out loud. And he responded by saying, yeah, I will not if we lose this game. And that's fair enough. They won't lose this game. They can't. They just have too much talent. It should not be mathematically possible for them to lose this game. And that's why I'm tipping the Tigers. It will be close, though. The Tigers by seven points. Get back on the hype train. The Tigers are finishing ninth this season. And the world will slowly go back to normal. Richmond by how much I said? Seven points. Liam, Tigers or Deeds? Got to be the Tigers, I think. Um, they've got they've got to turn things around. They've got too good a team. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on. Obviously, I think Richmond are one of the clubs which are most concerned about having to move because they are so strong here in Melbourne. Um, but I think that. They've just got too good a team. I think Melbourne are very up and down. Um, so I think that I, I think Richmond will get, get it done a little bit more comfortably than you've suggested. I think it'll be about 25 or six points. Yeah, I'm only playing on this one. Um, definitely think it'll be a little bit more of a blowout. I think uh, Richmond will get the tails up towards the end of the game and start to kick away um, once they secure a, a pretty handy lead in the third quarter. So um, yeah, Richmond by four to five goals. This last game, Giants by 16 points. Now, I know Hawthorne fans, I, I hear you. I can hear you through your brown and gold premiership medals. I can hear you through the banners. I, I, I hear you loud and clear. We've been playing better football. We crushed the Giants in the snow in Canberra last year. What makes you think that they're going to win this time round? Very simple. I think GWS are going to win the premiership. I don't think you guys are. So, Giants by 16 points. It's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good game. Another belter on Sunday Night Football. Uh, Sunday Night Football could be here to stay. No, I doubt it will be. But it'll be interesting if it does. Uh, who do you guys think? Eli, Giants, or will the Hawks be happy this week? Um, yeah, since Hawthorne dominated the early 2010s, I've, uh, I've grown to dislike them. But... Regardless of that, I do think GWS will win. 
um, against Collingwood last week. You saw the impact that uh, Whitfield, Kelly, Toby Grant coming back had. Um, players that they were missing for most of the, uh, the Bulldogs game. Um, not that that's why they lost, but um, yeah, I think GWS should be too strong uh, for the Hawks. And so, yeah, it's hard to say. It's hard to guess the margins uh, with the shortened season. Um, but I think it'll be a three-goal win. Liam? Yeah, I'm in agreement with you guys. I think uh, the Giants will uh, get the job done. You said that for one simple reason, Castling, you said because you think the Giants are going to win it. Also, I'm going to bank on the fact that it's not going to snow again. Bit of an out there call, but I'm putting it out there. I think that we are going to have a game that doesn't see snowflakes flying down to uh, the Giants' you know, shivering bodies. Um, but yeah, the Giants, you know, they beat us uh, in an impressive performance. And I think they've just got too good a team, really. They're going to be up there come the end of the season, you'd like to think. So I'm going to go Giants by, I think, 27 points. You mentioned that it, that it won't snow. It's 2020. Why wouldn't it snow? It could very well snow. And not only that, if it does, we know that Alistair Clarkson will pack a pair of board shorts for him to wear at the ground if it does snow. You know how much he loves the snow, Alistair Clarkson. Anyways, that is all she wrote. Thank you, Liam and Eli, for joining me this week. Eli, best wishes for the Brisbane Lions against Port Adelaide. Hope you guys win. Liam, good luck for Friday night. Hope you guys don't. Thank you, dear listener, for listening to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. Hope that you join us next week. Goodbye.